This year, the common electionary has been following the story of Jesus as that story comes to us from the Gospel according to St. Mark. We're getting very near the end of this story. As far as the church is concerned, next Sunday is the last Sunday in the church year. It's Christ the King Sunday. Then we start all over again on the Sunday after Thanksgiving with the first Sunday of Advent. So this comes to us from Mark chapter 10, very late in Jesus' ministry. Then Jesus and his friends came to Jericho, and as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, he's calling you. Get up. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to Jesus, Rabbi, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. And immediately Bartimaeus regained his sight and decided to follow Jesus. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Sometimes the world is not very helpful to the differently abled, especially the blind. This morning's gospel lesson is a case in point. Here's how this all goes down. For four or five days now, Jesus has been walking south from Galilee, way up north in Palestine, towards Jerusalem, way down south in Palestine. It's about 120 miles, takes about four or five days. His disciples think that Jesus is going to Jerusalem for an obligatory pilgrimage to celebrate Passover. But Jesus, in fact, knows that he himself is the Passover lamb and that he will die there. So walking south, they finally get to Jericho, 11 miles northeast of Jerusalem, and spend the night there and then head out in the morning on the last leg of this journey to Passover in Jerusalem. Huge crowds Everywhere, everywhere, everyone walking south to Jerusalem for Passover spends the night in Jericho. It's sort of a ritual. And so, of course, the lame, the deaf, the blind, the leprous, the just plain simply impoverished sit there lining the road outside of Jericho hoping for a handout because all of these crowds are religious pilgrims and they're going to be in a generous mood the day before they meet their God at Passover in Jerusalem. And so the supplicants all sit there on the sidewalk with their tin cups held out and their rudely hand-lettered cardboard signs telling their pitiful stories or playing bad renditions of Amazing Grace on violin or guitar with their instrument cases yawning open at their feet to catch quarters. And there's blind Bartimaeus on the sidewalk with them, his cloak folded out on the sidewalk to catch quarters from passers-by. Now, if you have any Jewish friends, you know that the name Bartimaeus, Bar-Timaeus, means son of Timaeus. And if you took a philosophy, in high, uh, philosophy course in high school, probably most of you took welding at Votech, but if you took a philosophy course at high school, you know that Timaeus is the name of one of the dialogues of Plato. 
And you might even know that the name Timaeus means valued or precious. It doesn't look very valued or precious, this pitiful beggar on the sidewalk, but that's what the name means. And if you're a really astute student of the Gospels, you might know that Bartimaeus is one of the few miracle recipients in the Gospels who actually gets a name. You might know that in the Gospels, Jesus does 37 miracles, but only three of those miracle recipients gets a name. Three of them out of 37. Bartimaeus is one, and if you can name the other two without Googling it, I will take you to a restaurant of your choice, no limitation, except it has to be in North America. So much for this game of Bible trivia. The point is that Bartimaeus is blind as a brick. So he's sitting there among all these other supplicants on that Jericho sidewalk waiting for a handout from these religious pilgrims. And when Bartimaeus somehow discovers that it's Jesus of Nazareth coming toward him, Jesus, who by this time is famous for making lame men walk and blind men see and the possessed to stop acting like crazy people, Bartimaeus leaps up and starts shouting at the top of his lungs, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd tells blind Bartimaeus to shut up. Mark tells us that many sternly ordered him to be quiet. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet. Sometimes the world's not very helpful to the differently abled, especially the blind. Hey, world, shout the blind, have mercy on me. I can't see. I need a talking crosswalk signal outside of my apartment. I need braille signs on public buildings. I need a computer that talks to me. I need a job. Have mercy. And the world says, would you chill out, shut up? Why don't you get used to your limitation and be happy? It's not so bad. Many sternly order them to be quiet. The world isn't always helpful to the differently abled, especially the blind. A woman goes to the bank to cash a check. She does this every week. But this day, the teller is new, and the teller doesn't know this woman, so the teller asks her for some identification. So she leans her white stick up against the desk and tells the dog to sit, and she fishes through her purse for a plastic card. And the only thing she can find is her Braille Institute membership card. It has legally blind stamped in huge letters on the card. But the teller has never seen an ID card like this and doesn't like it. Don't you have a driver's license, she says. Yeah. <laughs> Lloyd Burlingame was a set designer on Broadway and taught design at NYU until he went blind. It took him a long time to lose his sight, more than 10 years. But one day, near the time of his total darkness, he's standing there on 7th Avenue in Manhattan waiting to cross the street and someone standing next to him in the crosswalk says it's safe to go across and when Lloyd steps into the intersection and almost gets hit by a taxi the man just laughs and so Lloyd was so humiliated and scared by that experience that he essentially stayed in his apartment for the next six months until someone told him about the seeing eye dog school in New Jersey and Lloyd meets Hickory, a yellow lab who is one of the dogs unflappable enough to handle the sirens and horns 
and bike messengers and crowded sidewalks of Manhattan. And Lloyd and Hickory come, become very good friends and everything goes well except for that time when Lloyd takes Hickory to Carnegie Hall and Hickory starts howling the minute Renee Fleming opens her mouth. A couple years ago, Lloyd wrote a book called Two Seeing Eye Dogs Take Manhattan, A Love Story. The world is not always helpful to the differently abled, especially the blind. Many sternly ordered Bartimaeus to keep quiet, but this just makes Bartimaeus yell all the louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. Finally gets Jesus' attention, and Jesus says, Come over here. So Bartimaeus gropes his way blindly towards Jesus, and when he gets there, Jesus says, What do you want me to do for you? Really? Is that an odd question? They say there's no such thing as a stupid question, but this comes pretty close, right? What do you want me to do for you? Don't you think Bartimaeus thought to himself, didn't say it out loud, but thought to himself, no, not much really. Can I have your autograph? What do you want me to do for you, says Jesus. And Bartimaeus says, Lord, make me see. And he does. And Bartimaeus decides to follow Jesus. But not for long, because this is it. This is the end. Period, full stop, the end of part one of Mark's gospel. The next day, Jesus will borrow a donkey and ride into the city triumphantly like a king to shouts of Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And I love this story of blind Bartimaeus. There's not much to it. It's a little flat. It doesn't have the color and drama of some of the other miracle stories. It's 157 words, or about a quarter page in a short story collection. But somehow it just seems fitting that Jesus will end his ministry in just this way, with an act of mercy that will change a broken life forever. What do you want me to do for you? Seems at first a silly question, but he's been asking this question of us ever since. What do you want me to do for you? Yes. And so we're standing there with our white stick in one hand and the harness of a guide dog in the other behind our Mr. Magoo Coke bottle glasses. And we say, Lord, let me see. Give me the eyes to see the royalty in the beggar I step over to get to my office every day or in the shoeshine boy who blacks my boots. Let me see the multiplicity of benedictions that spangle the landscape of my life like a dust of stars across the night sky. Let me see that as the year dies down to its close at Thanksgiving, it goes out with a riot of flame and fire and fury, of red and rust and ruby that nobody, nobody ever deserves. What do you want me to do for you, he asks. And we say, Rabbi, save us from ourselves. Save us from danger and malice and every evil way. And then the next day he rides into the city 
And those acclamations of Hosanna quickly morph into shouts of, kill him in the name of God. Kill him in the name of my religion. Just like those terrorists at Allahu Akbar at the theater on Friday night. It is stunning what the world will do when it meets absolute innocence, right? With a cross of wood and nails of iron or a basketball in a Chicago alley or with an AK-47 in a crowded theater. That's what it was. They were so, they were all 20-something. They were at the apex, at the zenith of life's joyfulness. What can be better than a glass of wine or a concert or a football game on a Friday night in Paris? They were all there with their lovers or their friends or their sons and daughters or their brothers and their sisters. It's the happiness and the cheer and the joie de vivre itself that those extremists seem to hate the most, right? And so Yeats's brutal poem was the first thing that sprang to my mind. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world, the blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, and the worst are filled with passionate intensity. And what rough beast, it's our come round at last, slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. That's what came to my mind first, but then I stopped myself. And I scolded myself, and I said, this is not the end of the story. You can drown the ceremony of innocence, but it always comes back. And you can crucify the Christ, but you cannot keep him dead. Bleeding the life out of him just sets him free to colonize the entire earth with his unkillable goodness. So he's afoot in the streets of Paris even now. Can you see him on top of the hill at Sacré-Cœur on Montmartre, the mountain of martyrs, the sacred heart of Jesus beating and bleeding for his love of the world? Can you see him on the bank of the beautiful river at Notre Dame, Our Lady, Our Lady holding her infant proudly as Madonna or holding his corpse sadly as Pietà? Our Lady. Can you see him as an infant in Leonardo's painting at the Louvre? Can you hear him in that magnificent organ at La Madeleine where Sanson played his organ symphony and Dubois his seven last words and Foray his immortal requiem? He has gotten into everything and his towering goodness will always defeat titanic malice because this is God's world and God's Son is afoot among the cities of the earth in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.